Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. What's up, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you are all having an amazing day so far. I am so excited and grateful to be finally having this conversation with my main man, Mr. Andy Storch. So Andy was a previous guest on Stay Grounded. In fact, he was one of my first guests like way earlier in the show, and we had an amazing conversation together around habits and mindset and how to create uh, an engaging, fulfilling life. So when he wrote his new book, Own Your Career, Own Your Life, and got ready to be on his book tour, I was excited to have him back. And we initially had this conversation scheduled, I want to say back in September. And then the unexpected happened. Andy started experiencing abdominal pain and uh, he couldn't really sustain it or really tolerate it for that matter. And so he went and got diagnosed and turns out it was testicular cancer. And that diagnosis pretty much sent Andy's life into a complete tailspin. He had to put all of his projects on hold, start facing surgery and chemo and redesigning his life from the inside out. And, you know, we had to reschedule the first time we rescheduled to another date in January He wasn't feeling well then, so we ended up rescheduling it again and rescheduling it again. And finally, Andy and I got a chance to sit down and actually talk about not just the book, uh, Own Your Career, Own Your Life, and all of the things that are in there, but what he's been going through over the last several months and what what the journey of someone going through cancer looks like and what it's like to receive a diagnosis. How, I mean, gosh, like I, the conversation went in so many directions this week it made me really grateful. Um, I know that, especially for Andy, it's really difficult and it's and it's a toll on his body to really step up and do work. And so I was really grateful that I got a chance to be with him. We talked about so many things, not just about creating an empowering life, but how to ask for help, especially when you're sort of thrown against the wall. Um, Andy's relationship with control and how that changed through his cancer journey how to heal through the support of others, why gratitude is literally one of the most powerful forces for change, especially when you're going through a tough time, how to cultivate an empowered mindset for dealing with challenges, three questions to ask yourself when you face a challenge, and his personal mantra for how how to navigate difficulty. And I, I, I found this conversation to be really inspiring, more so inspiring of just the personal power that we all have, regardless of what life throws at us to step up and just face it full on and to ask for help and to change our relationship with the unknown because everything in life is a result of the perspective you choose. And in this week's episode, I was just really inspired by Andy's positive attitude, his outlook. It hasn't been easy for him and he's chosen to be the hero in his own story and step up with the level of of intention and and resilience that I just think is so valuable as we navigate life. Because if you can build that confidence in yourself, if you can build that sense of grit and resilience within yourself, if you can find that thing worth fighting for, you can stay grounded inside of chaos. You can stay grounded inside of change. You can really navigate those waters with grace and a whole bunch of knowing that life wouldn't be throwing you something that you didn't have the internal capacity to tolerate and overcome. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Definitely check out Andy's new book, Own Your Day, Own Your Life. We have uh, Own Your Career, Own Your Life, sorry. And all of those links are in on the show notes. Uh, Andy has a few podcasts, um, The Talent Development Hot Seat and The Andy Storch Show. I mean, he's just a fantastic human being, a father, a husband, and a human being who's just on a mission to get the absolute most out of life and inspire others to do the same. So I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. If you haven't already subscribed to us on iTunes, all that means is that every single time we release a new episode, it goes straight into your inbox. It also helps other people find out about the show. So if anything we've said has been of value to you, subscribe, leave us a review, uh, reach out to us on social media. Let Andy know um, how this conversation resonated with you. Let me know how it resonates with you. And I hope you find all of the 
courage uh, you needed to handle whatever life is throwing at you if you are going through a tough time. So love you guys. Thank you for being here. But without further ado, here is the amazing Mr. Andy Storch. Enjoy. Yo, 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 what's up, everyone? And welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I've been waiting so long for this conversation with you, Andy. Welcome back to the show, brother. Oh, Raj, I am so excited about this and so honored to be invited back on your show. And I know it's been a long time coming. And I'm such a big fan of you and everything you've built and what you do and the conversations that you lead and this podcast and movement that you have. And I'm just mm. honored to be here. And uh, I really appreciate you having me on. Mm, brother, well, the sentiment is absolutely and definitely shared. And man, what a ride you've been on. Just to give everybody some context, I know I talked about this in the intro, but Andy was supposed to be on the show almost five or six months ago uh, with your new book, Own Your Career, Own Your Life. And it was taken off. And then you got hit with some some unfortunate news that sort of delayed the interview, really. I mean, and and until now, I mean, you know, and this is the first time I'm seeing you really in person. I've seen a lot of your Facebook posts, but this is the first time I'm really seeing you and feeling your energy and all that. So can you kind of describe just a lot, like, I guess, the bout with cancer and kind of how, like, just what I would love to start with is actually the moment you found out on the onset of this incredible momentum train that you were riding and like what that moment was like for you. I'll take you there. And, um, you know, for reference, I'm 41 years old, was 40 at the time, married with two kids. That's my life working as an entrepreneur, running my own business and building a brand and had already made a lot of pivots and changes uh, as a result of COVID in 2020, as many of us had, you know, my whole business as of March 2020, was selling and running in-person training programs. I was flying around the country and the world, uh, running leadership development workshops. Already made lots of changes because that all got shut down and had been working on this book. I ran a big virtual summit back in September of 2020 and then took a vacation with my family and came back and started experiencing a, a lot of discomfort and pain in my my stomach, my, abdo- my abdominal region. And it was very mysterious, no idea what it was. And it was like kind of getting... Uh, worse and worse as time went on. And of course, being a typical man, maybe you can resonate with this. A lot of men out there can. I'm going to tough it out, right? I don't have time to go see a doctor and you know try to figure out what this is. It's probably just a thing that's going to pass, right? So I kind of put that off, but it was getting worse and worse. And my wife was finally like, look, you need to go you know, see somebody and went into an urgent care. You know, they elim- I thought maybe it was a, a kidney stone and I started talking to people. By the way, bring that up with with men you know. You'd be surprised how many have experienced kidney stones and can ex- can can describe the experience. And I was like, ah, oh, could be that, maybe not. And then get into a clinic, and they're like, no, pretty sure that's not what it is. Do some scans, and and uh, this is get a little, might get a little TMI, but like you know, you might want to do a, a scrotal exam because you've got these enlarged lymph nodes in your your abdomen. You might want to see what that's about. And so my wife was looking into some stuff and. And she's like, yeah, we really got to check this out. And so that's when I, I did a self-examination and found that there was a rather large lump on my left testicle that had probably been there for several months. And I just ignored it. You know, again, being kind of a typical oblivious man, if you will, to like, I'm just charging forward, building my business and having fun with my family and enjoying life. And, you know, if there's something there, then like, ah, it's probably supposed to be there or whatever. So I go in to see an, an, uh, a urologist and he has me drop my, my pants and, you know, grabs my balls and instantly is like, oh, this is testicular cancer. You're going to have to have your test score moved. I can get you in next Wednesday. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, this is holy God. This is a lot bigger than I thought it was going to be. And so they ended up doing an ultrasound and kind of confirming that's what he thought it was and wanting to schedule surgery. And so then, you know, I walk out in the parking lot and sit in my car. I'm like, this changes a lot. Like, you know, I'm going to deal with this just like I deal with any challenge. I've been working on my mindset for years and feel like I can handle any challenge that comes my way. But this is serious. This is definitely going to throw a wrench into some things. So I'm like, all right, let's let's deal with it, figure out when we're going to schedule the surgery. And by the way, I was coming into the final stretch of publishing my book and I was self-publishing it. 
which means I was managing everything going on with it. I didn't have a publisher overseeing stuff. I have an assistant who helps me with a lot of stuff. Uh, Stephanie was fantastic. But I was coordinating formatting and an advanced reader team and doing tons of marketing and booking podcast interviews. I didn't want to lose momentum on that. So we scheduled the surgery for right after the book was published. And in the meantime, I, I posted about it. And I started connecting with a lot of old friends and new people who had gone through similar experiences. And a lot of people caught it very early and they had their testicle removed. Uh, by the way, there's a lot of men out there who are members of the One Nut Club represent. Uh, <laughs> um, I found later, you'd be surprised. So I thought, well, maybe this will, that will be the case. I'll take care of the surgery and that'll be it. It's like a couple of weeks of recovery and, and I'll be all right. Uh, so I published the book. Just some great fanfare and, and uh, so grateful to everybody in my network who supported me around that. And then I went and had the surgery two days later. And, you know, the great thing about working today is you can lay in bed and kind of manage stuff on your smartphone. Yeah. It's like no problem, for, you know, for a week or so. And then started getting back into work and doing some interviews. But I was still experiencing a lot of abdominal pain and discomfort. You know, I went to my urologist and he said, it seems like everything's fine. And I'm asking, well, what about all this pain? And he said, well, it's probably from the painkillers we gave you from the surgery. And I said, well, I didn't take any painkillers because I'm not really big on that stuff. And he's like, well, I don't know then. Uh, asked another doctor don't, doesn't really know. Uh, so eventually I get referred to a, a great oncologist here in Orlando where I live. We do some scans. I went and got a PET scan and an MRI. I found out that, went back, the, the oncologist called me and said, we want you to come in pretty quickly. And I found out that uh, the cancer had spread into my stomach and up into my neck. And that was, by the way, another experience where I realized I had these uh, lymph nodes that were sticking out of my neck, these large bumps that you could kind of see from across the room. But again, it was something that I felt and ignored because I just wasn't really paying attention to my body. And I'm explaining this because I want it to be a wake-up call to other people. You know, when you have these things that seem really abnormal out of place, you're experiencing pain, discomfort, you've got a lump on your breast or your, or your testicles, like you've got to go in and see somebody about it. Yeah. You know, it can't hurt. It only takes an hour of your time. You've got to go check it out because I, I waited too long. Side note, when my urologist told me this is probably testicular cancer, he said, ah, don't worry. Lance Armstrong had the same thing spread all the way to his brain. He's totally fine today. And I was like, oh, okay. So testicular cancer is one of the better cancers yeah. to have. It's highly treatable. Uh, and I just finished reading uh, Lance Armstrong's memoir, about his experience with testicular cancer. He's a Austin native, uh, by the way, and uh, still lives over there. And uh, that guy waited way longer than me. He was like, he was like coughing up blood and was like, I don't need to go see the doctor. <laughs> it turned out he had a tumor in his brain and he had to undergo some really, really serious treatment. So mine was not, not as bad as, as his, but you know, everyone said like, this is highly treatable. We'll be able to take care of this. And of course, the oncologist recommended, I think, four rounds of chemo over 12 weeks and wanted to get started right away. This is in December. I am a very, I don't know how to put this, like stubborn person. I'm very big on natural solutions. Um, I'm not big on pharmaceuticals and drugs. I try to avoid painkillers. I already mentioned I didn't take them after the, after the surgery. And I started reading and researching tons about cancer and nutrition. And I was hoping that I could try to uh, solve this naturally and cure this naturally. I did not want to do chemo. It was you know I see it or saw it as basically like putting poison in your body. There's tons of ramifications. It can cause more complications and problems. And so I was trying to avoid it. And so I changed my diet. I changed my approach with a lot of things. I went to a. I was a big big carnivore. I went to a plant based diet. You know, cut out caffeine, alcohol, sugar, uh, everything kind of bad from my life. And I was already big on meditation and mindfulness, doing that every day. So I kept that going, of course, and tried to stay active while I was kind of laying on the couch. And then um, my wife and I went and did this kind of uh, innovative experiential treatment, um, natural-based up in Massachusetts that I thought was really going to help and possibly keep me from having to do the chemo. But then in January, the pain just got so bad that we eventually relented and went and checked into the hospital. And I spent a week there. Doing chemo, and then it's been kind of off and on doing chemotherapy since then through December, January, February. Uh, sorry, January, February, and it's just been it's something that like I feel like is a necessary evil. I've got to go do it to kill the cancer, and then I'm going to come out of it and do everything I can to heal my body and get stronger. But it's been, you know, it's been a challenging, challenging experience. There have been some really, really rough days, but I will say that you know throughout all of it, I've seen it as just that as a challenge as an inconvenience, as an annoyance. Um, there's never been a single moment where I was ever worried about, 
you know, whether I was going to live or die or, or anything like that. I know I'm going to make it through this. It's just how, how terrible is it going to be, right? How poor or bad of an experience is it going to be? And we all face tough challenges. So how can I get through it? And then how can I use that to help and inspire other people? I love it, dude. And I have so many questions in that. I mean, it sounds like your sense of like your, your values and your sense of self really is what like was challenged by the cancer, right? Like it's not your, like your resolve was challenged. It's not your knowing it's like this, like you, you, it's like you want things to be a certain way or you want things to be a certain, you know, flavor or like, it's like, that's what you're craving. Right. And like, and it's almost like you have to let go of control. So what did your relationship with, like, can you talk a little bit about your relationship with control and like in this experience, like how did that change and morph? Cause I think like men in particular, I'll speak for myself. Like I tend to want to like have certainty. I tend to really want to like cling on to what I can control and like how much I can do. And I think there's, there's, there, I, I'm just hearing, and even in the way you're describing the story, there was a lot of like, I couldn't have the natural solutions the way I wanted to. So I had to mm. surrender. Like, it's like, I, I, I could, it's like you were, you wanted things to be a certain way, but they couldn't. So like, can you talk a little bit about those experiences and, and, and what those, like, how did you actually, how did your relationship with control change as a result of this experience? Yeah. There's two big aspects of the control and self sustainment or being able to do everything and not need help from others. So speaking first to the kind of the control aspect of what you're mentioning for context, again, background, like 40 years old, always lived a very healthy lifestyle, never been very sick in my life, was eating fairly healthy, working out six to seven days a week, very, very active. You know, it's not like I was leading this, this really unhealthy lifestyle led to this. So I've had to ask the question many times, like, how and why, why did this happen, right? I was also a very go, go, go person. I have a hard time sitting around and being still, even on weekends, you know, when I don't work, I'm out doing stuff with my kids or I'm on a bike ride or I've got a stand-up paddleboard. I'm out doing, you know, I'm very active all the time. And I have a hard time just laying around relaxing sometimes. And, and this was a big shift because through most of December and January and some of February as well, I was basically on the couch every day. I really couldn't do that much. And I also, because I, this happened around the time that I launched my, my book, I had plans to launch a course to do tons of podcast interviews to do all this marketing and like build a business and a brand around this. I had these, you know, I'm a very ambitious person, big aspirations. And I got to kind of put all that stuff on the, on the back burner on the side and say, Hey, health is the number one thing right now. This is what the cards that I've been dealt, right? The hand that I've been dealt. And this is what I get to deal with right now. And if I say health is my number one priority, then that means my focus is on health. That means that even if I have the energy to work, but it takes me, you know, I'm getting up later. It takes me uh, a certain amount of time to do, take all the supplements and do all the things that I need to do. Then I'm going to do those things before I dive into any work that I might need to do. And there's some pressure there too, because I'm also, I don't have a job. I'm running a business. I've got a mortgage and a family and I've got to pay bills. And so I started to feel that a little bit, but I also, you know, had to kind of let go and say, I'm going to rest. I'm going to take care of my body. I'm going to listen to my body. When my body says, you need to rest. You can't be doing a bunch of stuff. Right. We're going to rest. We're going to give up a little bit of that control. And also, I am going to challenge things when I talk to doctors and, and learn what I can. But I'm also going to listen and do the things that I need to do, even if it's something that I'm you know, adamantly against, like you know, the chemo or using a lot of drugs. Uh, if that's the thing that we need to do, uh, that's the thing we need to do. And I'm very lucky to have my wife, Courtney, on this journey with me. She has also been through cancer. She had thyroid cancer a year before me and is very knowledgeable on this subject and very grounded. And so we have, you know, honest conversations about here's what I'm feeling. Here's our options in front of us. You know, let's make the right decision for us. The other thing is that, that as a, this is also kind of typical for a lot of men, but definitely for me, I have a hard time asking for help or receiving help sometimes, especially in my personal life. In business, not as much. I've been in mastermind groups for years. I hire coaches. I like asking people for advice and delegating. I'm not a control freak. I've got a, you know an assistant who does a lot of things for me. Uh, but when it comes to personal stuff, for some reason, you know, asking for accepting help or sympathy, for some reason, I really had a hard time with that. Yeah, I don't know where that comes from. I've done a lot of reflection Years on that. Years of programming, I think man. 
Lots of programming. It's deep programming, right? And I think part of it is my parents got divorced when I was young and my mother, my mother was kind of a workaholic. She was out of the house. I was home alone a lot. And I learned to take care of myself. And I really took pride in being independent. I realized that that's not a way to live life. And, and not only that, like people love helping others. People love helping their friends and family. And when we don't let people help us, we are denying them Bingo, that bro. satisfaction, oh, right? And for the so, people in the back, Andy. I know, right? And I love helping people. Right. Why do I deny? By the way, there's this moment that I go to that I to remind myself of this. And this is such a funny, characterizes this whole thing. Um, I was in the airport with my family. We were traveling somewhere for like a summer trip. And I had like three suitcases I was trying to carry. My kids were small. And uh, we had all this stuff. And I was like struggling to cross this, uh, you know, when you leave the airport, like crossing the, the road to where the taxis are or whatever, and cars are going through. And this woman looks at me and says, hey, can I help you with that? I literally have nothing to do for the next two hours, my flight. And I, and my, and I was like, no, I got this. And I was just like, you know, oh, you I, I'm going to take care of that. I'm not going to let her help me. And I think back to that moment so many times because I'm like, she had nothing to do. All she wanted to do was help me. And I denied that because of my pride and my ego. Yep. And uh, I'm, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm, this is my... So I saw this as an opportunity to get past that and accept help. And another big moment that happened, you know, a lot of people have reached out, have offered things. And my inclination, my gut is always say, no, I got this. I can take care of this myself. But instead, I started saying yes. I started letting people cook us meals and help us with laundry and, and send money. I had several friends ask if they could start a GoFundMe campaign and the first couple, I was like, no, we don't need that. We have health insurance. Like, we'll figure it out. I don't need anybody's charity. But finally, my friend Rachel Richards asked me and I said, yes, you know what? Go ahead and do it. I feel weird about it, but go ahead. And she did. And it took off. We've raised a ton of money. And what I've learned through that is not only do people really like being able to help, I love being able to help people, but it has actually freed me up to make better decisions throughout this process. So for example, like I was listening to a podcast and I heard this guy who was a cancer nutritionist on a podcast and I went to his website and I found out you could book a consultation with him for a couple hundred bucks. And if I was just on my own and money was tough, I might've been like, oh, that'd be nice. I'm not going to do it. But because we had money coming in from a GoFundMe campaign, I'm like, that's what this money is for. I'm going to book it. And so I'm making better health decisions and going and investing in different things. I've been um, doing uh, high dose vitamin C infusions, uh, which is an out of pocket expense every week, because I know there's money there with the purpose of supporting this, not to mention the hospital bills were very expensive. And then I know the other way I've made peace with it too, is I know I'm going to get through this and I'm going to pay it forward. Right. That's the beautiful part. And that's the thing. Like most people forget that if you're just looking at a defined timeline, like, oh, mm -hmm. this favor is meant for, it needs to be paid back in this timeline. Yeah. Then it creates that stress. But if you'd look yep. at and you expand the timeline out and you're like, oh man, like I'm going to get through this and give it back tenfold. It's an energetic exchange that doesn't necessarily need to really pan out in that moment. And what I'm, so I have so many questions for you, man. But one, I think an important one that I would love to know, right, is like, I don't imagine this will be the first conversation I'll have with someone else who, someone important in my life who has cancer, right? Like, and I don't imagine that like, or any form of illness or any form of just something yeah, it's that- affecting more and more right, people, for right. sure. So like, what's the best way that you love to be supported? Now that you've kind of gotten your feet wet with receiving help, like, what is like the most helpful for you? And like, how can you, I guess, teach somebody who may yeah. end up being in a position where they get an opportunity to support someone else who's going through cancer? Like, how, like, what's the best way that you found to like, like, what is, what kind of support do you feel like is like so nourishing and helpful for you? It's a great question because I struggled with this being on the other side. I've never figured out how do you help people yeah. that are going through challenging situations, you know, other than the typical, like, Hey, I'm thinking about you. Right. And right. Then, that's it. And it's like, you feel so like, the, okay, is that enough? Like, I feel yeah. like. And then there's the, the statement that is with done with the best of intention, but is almost kind of worthless. I hate it, but it's let me know if you need anything. Like, what am I going to, because now you put the onus on me yes. to reach out to you and say, Hey, Hey Raj, will you uh, buy me dinner tonight? Or, you know, so it's, it's very, very challenging. So there's a couple things there. Number one. Uh, so if you, if you know somebody, if you have a friend or a family member is going through something like this, 
Um, first of all, just checking in and saying, how are you? What's going on uh, is helpful. And I get tons of text messages and calls and, and I love it. And I appreciate it. And checking in regularly. Some people say like, I don't want to bug you. I'm like, no, you can check in. Don't do it every day. My mom does every day, which is cool. <laughs> all right. Every day her. my mom asks me, how are you today? Right. And I text her back and let her know, like, yeah. honestly, where I'm at. Some people have called, like some good friends have called me and said, like, I see all your positive stuff on social media. How are you really feeling? Like what's, what sucks right now? And that's actually kind of a relief too, because it lets me, I, I do try to put a positive spin on everything and try to inspire other people. And it's nice to be able to vent every now and then about like, well, this yeah, kind of sucks. Human, and you're going through. Yeah, this is challenging. This right. is frustrating. Reaching out with specific suggestions, like let me buy you a meal tonight, or let me, if you're local, let me bring you a meal. Or um, we had some friends, my daughter's in Girl Scouts and all the Girl Scout families got together and raised money to do our laundry for a certain amount of time. So I think if you can reach out with specific things, say, I'd like to do this, are you okay with that? Then it makes it easier for the other person, right? Sharing gratitude. Uh, gratitude has been huge for me through this journey and we can talk about that, but you can share your gratitude for that person. I really appreciate you for who you are and this and that and pumping them up and you're going to get through this. Like, I, I love all that. I appreciate that. And then there's, uh, you know, for specifically for people with cancer, they say, you know, there's a saying, laughter is the best medicine. Um, scientifically proven that humor can actually be one of the many things that can help you cure cancer. So I have some friends that send me jokes and things like that and remind me. Uh, so that's, that's good too. And then on the flip side of things, I'll tell you, as I, when I made this decision to embrace, uh, ask, you know, asking for and receiving help, sometimes when people said, is there anything I can do for you? If I thought of something specific, I would just ask them, which was so hard for me. But even if it was somebody that didn't know that well, for example, uh, there was a guy who I'm connecting with on LinkedIn. I don't really know that well. He works for a major airline in my niche of HR talent development. And he said, hey, if there's anything I or we can do for you, let me know. And my inclination is to say thanks. But I'm like, you know what? I'm going to ask him. I said, hey, you know, I've got this book. I'm trying to build a business out of that. I'm worried about paying the bills. Like, do you think there's any way you could help me get in to run some corporate programs or speaking or, you know, do something with your company? I didn't hear back from him for a while, but I saw a message from him yesterday saying like, yeah, I just talked to our people in career development and we're trying to get something going for you. So it was me specifically asking for something, but a lot of people are not going to feel comfortable asking for that. So I think when you can get specific and it's really great if you're local to someone because you can bring them a meal, maybe you can you know, mow their lawn or something if they're not, they don't have the energy for it. My neighbor across the street has helped me. He's mowed the lawn and done a couple of things for me. And if you're distant, you could send a meal you know, you could offer to do other things, but if you can get specific, it's helpful, but also just check in with people, see how they're doing, ask them what they're struggling with. And then maybe you can offer specific help or specific advice or, you know, see if they have a fundraiser that you can just donate to. Don't make a big deal out of it. Just send them money and know that they're going to use it and it'll get paid forward. That's great, man. I love the specifics of it too. And I'm really glad that you actually mentioned the money piece, because I think that is one of the hardest things for people to ask for just donations and to see how much that's helped you and it's helped you make better decisions and it's empowered you to have more freedom and is, is just a really important reminder of the role that money plays. I think we talk a lot about how, like there's a lot of talk about money and it's just a lot like, of discomfort around money. There's right? a lot of discomfort around money, money, but money, but money is, is an absolute tool, um, especially in times like these. So I really appreciate even that reminder. I do have a question. We're going to talk about gratitude for sure. But before we dive into gratitude, I really want to kind of key in on your discomfort around asking for help. You know, like I've been a big, I mean, it's, and it sounds like you are too. Like I've been a big believer in like my gut and my intuition and like, you know, I, I trust my gut and my intuition, but in a lot of these cases, you kind of went against what your gut was telling you to do, right? Like, like, don't ask for help, but you went and did it anyways. Have you learned a lot about like, just how has your gut gotten smarter, I guess, through the process of almost challenging it and getting out of your comfort zone with this? Like, like, do you trust yourself more now? Like, do you like, how does, how, what role has intuition played in this process of you making decisions, especially when there's, when there's just so many things that you don't know? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of power to trusting your gut and intuition for like big decisions sometimes. And I struggle with big decisions and sometimes I need to trust my gut more. But as you mentioned earlier, our beliefs and our worldview and the way we live our lives, the rules that we live by has been shaped 
since we were two years old by our parents, by our peers, by our friends, by our people around us, by what we see on the news and social media and the places we've worked. Um, It's shaped by everything and sometimes for the better and sometimes for the worse. And we have views on money. We have views on accepting help. We have views on friendship and love that sometimes can be unhealthy, right? And, you know, maybe we grow up in a situation where it's not, you know, our father tells us you should never accept help from, don't trust anybody, right? You need to, you need to just hack it on your own, right? You heard about the self-made entrepreneur or self-made millionaire, but it's really usually not true. Usually people have help, right? And so I mentioned, you know, doing my reflection, realizing that I think because of my parents' divorce and being on my own a lot as a child, I developed this kind of ability to make my own way and be independent. And some of that served me well, but a lot of times it's probably hurt me as well. And I think when we spend more time, and so I've done a lot of personal development. I've been to a lot of personal development programs. I've done a lot of self-reflection, a lot of conversations with my wife and other people. And you start to learn and realize that, you know, the way you live is shaped by all these different things. And it's not the way you need to keep living going forward. You can make changes. And you mentioned that often requires getting out of your comfort zone. So that independent and spending a lot of time alone, I also grew up with a lot of fear of judgment and rejection from others. You know, I didn't have a lot of friends in high school. Uh, I rarely talked to the cool kids. I don't think I asked a girl out till I got to college, eh, maybe before, Come right? On. But I was very fearful of judgment yeah. and rejection. To make the shift to the man I am today, hosting two podcasts, a conference, a community, sharing content on social media every day, coaching and talking to people and you know speaking and getting paid to speak on stages, that's a big change. I mean, if you would have told my parents or me in high school that that's the way I was going to end up, they would be shocked, right? And so I've made a lot of changes. And a lot of that has meant getting out of my comfort zone, trying new things, right? And saying, you know, this, I've been one way for most of my life. And so the latest example for me is asking for and receiving help, right? I've been one way for most of my life. It served me fairly well. It's got me to the point where I am now. But if I truly want to grow as a person, I truly want to get better and I truly want to fulfill my true potential, which is always my goal, right? It's not about, quote, success, whatever that means, because it's different for everybody. Um, My mission is to fulfill my true potential and inspire other people to do the same, which means I've got to lead the way, which means you're always got to look at, you know, what's got you to where you are, what's worked, what hasn't worked, and what do I need to do to get to the next level? So doing things on my own has been great. But if I really want to get further, maybe I need to start asking for and accepting help. And if I really think about it, why am I afraid of charity, you know, at, receiving help from people? Is it because that I feel like people are going to judge me and perceive me as being needy or like, oh, he's so weak, right? This is the fear of a lot of men, right? Stories. And mine as well. Like, Bullshit oh, stories. you need help, yeah. you are weak, right? And you really think about it. None of your friends, especially the people that are offering you help, are going to perceive you that way, right? Dude, they are it's so not. crazy. I just got done doing a monthly reflection. And like, that's what was one of my biggest takeaways was just around, like, we've built this culture of ultra independence and like self-reliance. And we wear like a badge of honor, this lone wolf mentality. But like, I feel like we need each other now more than ever. Like if we truly want to heal as a country, as a society, as a world, I mean, like we need each other and we need to be allowed, we need to allow ourselves to be supported by other people and stop pretending like we're supposed to figure all this shit out on our own because we're not. And one of the things that's really helped me over the years is like gratitude, right? Like you talked about gratitude. I've actually found that practicing gratitude has allowed me to become a gracious receiver. So like when somebody does do something for me, it's like the more gratitude I practice, whether it's just for my health, my family, like when something does show up in my life, it's more of like a, oh, wow. Like it's like, it's another opportunity for me to practice gratitude. So I guess like I would love to maybe even use that as a segue into the role gratitude has played. Uh, I know because I think on the and just in general, we've had conversations around gratitude, but I'm wondering how your gratitude practices have evolved with just the cancer and sort of your experiences over the last six months. Yeah. I mean, gratitude is so important, right? And it, it is something that can help you get through anything. And what I've learned 
I've talked about it for a long time, but really learned through this experience is that no matter what we're going through, no matter what our situation is, we always have things we can be grateful for, right? Our family, our friends, the roof over our head, even just a cup of coffee or tea in the morning, whatever it may be, the weather, there are always things to be grateful for. I started getting into a gratitude practice when I got into personal development. When I first read The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod many years ago, I know you're a mutual fan, went to a Tony Robbins workshop and listened to him talk about it at UPW and how the force of gratitude, like you can't feel angry and grateful at the same time, right? Gratitude will overpower any of that. And when you practice gratitude on a regular basis, you realize what you have. And I've also, I think it's great, especially for people who are really ambitious because you set these big goals. And someone asked me once, you know, because I'm really also big into stoicism and I read the Daily Stoic on a regular basis. And how do you balance this idea of being ambitious and chasing big goals with this stoicism and like being happy with the life you have now? And I think gratitude is a big part of that yes. because when you're all about the goals, then you're always chasing these goals. And then you get into the trap of like, I'll be happy when, right? I'll be happy when I get that promotion, when my business grow, you know, hits a certain milestone when I get married or when I find that girl or guy or when this happens, instead of saying, I'm going to be happy with my life right now, I'm going to enjoy this journey and I'm going to, insp- I'm going, to going to aspire for bigger and better things as well. You can absolutely have both. If you just wait, you know, it may never come, right? So we've got to be happy with what, what we have now. The other thing is we get caught in comparison so often these days in society, right? Uh, social media, you're looking at what everybody else is doing and what you perceive them to have and it's easy to be jealous and envious. And uh, you've got to remember that we're all on our own journey and we all have our own different situations. And when we're grateful for the situation we have, then, and that doesn't mean you don't want to change it, but we're grateful for what we have, then we can be happy now instead of waiting. So fast forward to this experience going through cancer. I was already in the habit of writing down gratitude every morning in my journal, but I really doubled down on that throughout this experience. And it becomes especially hard when you're going through those really tough days when you feel like crap, you're nauseous, you don't feel like getting up or moving. And I would open my journal and I'd write down that I'm grateful for. And just think of all the people that had just reached out to me recently, who offered help, who texted me, who called me uh, to the doctors and nurses, to anything else, the weather, anything I could think of. And it just brightened my mood. It made me realize like I have so, even though I have these challenges, I have so much to be grateful for. And then I often, I often finish it by writing that I'm also grateful for cancer. I'm grateful for this experience. I'm grateful for life. I'm grateful for challenges and what I will gain from going through this. And I still don't know exactly what that will be uh, other than you and I get to have this conversation, but just shifting the mindset because you get to choose how you perceive every experience, right? Everything that happens in life, we per, it, it's like defined by how we perceive it. So someone could be listening to this and be like, this is crap interview. And someone else could listen to it and be like, this is the most amazing thing ever. It's the same interview. And that cancer experience is the same. But if I perceive it as something to be grateful for, it gives me more energy to go through it. I appreciate it more. And I know that it is part of my journey that's going to allow me to help and inspire others. And that's the way I choose to see it as much as possible. Uh, and I think that it makes me a little happier, a little more fulfilled, a little more energetic um, as a result. It's not easy. It takes a lot of practice, but you know, the gratitude is so important. How long did it take you from the moment you found out you had cancer to being in a space where you could actually say that you are grateful for your cancer? From the get-go, I, I, try, I chose to perceive it as a challenge and not like this horrible thing. But it was probably maybe a month in especially when things started getting really bad, that I said, I'm going to choose to be grateful for this experience as well. I don't know why I get to go through this, but I'm, I'm, going, to be, I'm going to be grateful for this experience. And I wish I had done it sooner, but you know, that's, when I, that's when it hit me. And I've been doing that ever since. And uh, again, not easy, but I think it's very rewarding to take that perspective. And that also, by the way, ties in with my book. It's the ownership mindset that I don't believe life happens to me. I believe everything in life happens for me. And therefore, I'm going to own this experience. I'm going to do everything I can to be healthy and heal my body and to improve my mood and to get through this and use it to inspire others. I love it. Well, let's, let's actually, that's actually really beautiful. The book was written before you had cancer, right? Right. Yeah. So I, I wrote it in yeah. 2020 and I, it and you of, were getting ready to launch it and getting ready to go on the tour and you got cancer. So like, how has the book 
really the principles shared in the book sort of mirror your your experience with cancer? Like it sounds like that's one principle that's really sort of been an anchor for you, and it's allowed you to have a, a, a powerful perspective. Really, uh, you're, you're you're operating from a place of choice and power, and you're giving yourself that power instead of really falling into and in, in, into the victim space. And that's amazing, man. And so like, I'm curious, like what else in the, like, how is the book? Like, did you almost like write that book for this journey in some ways? Like, could you talk a little bit about that? In, in some respects? Yeah. So the book is own your career, own your life. And it's about taking ownership and having that owner's mindset instead of that victim's mindset, having an abundant mindset. I have a chapter about the importance of mindset and having a growth mindset. And I talk a lot uh, in the third section of the book about how to deal with challenges. And I thought I had dealt with many challenges uh, in my life. And the example I used in the book was I hosted a conference uh, last year and uh, we were planning it. My, my friend Bennett Phillips and I, my partner, and uh, we were, it was about to happen in November, 2019. And then wildfires came into the region and we had to cancel or postpone the conference by three months because our hotel got evacuated. And so I used that as an example in the book. And that was a challenging time, but we got through it and it worked out great. And in the book, I talk about the three questions to ask when you're faced with any challenge. The first question is, what's great about this? Because there's almost always silver linings in every challenge that we face. COVID is a great example. You know, I shut my business down, but I'm not traveling anymore. And I got to be, I've been home with my kids every night for the last year. It's been wonderful. The second question is, what can I learn from this? Because we can learn from every experience in our life, especially the challenges, especially the things that are our faults, right? Our mistakes that we made. And the third question is, what does this make possible? So when I faced cancer, I realized like, oh my gosh, now I really get to put this stuff into practice for myself. I get to practice what I preach, as they say, right? I'm talking to everybody else about, here's how you deal with these challenges and you're happening for a reason and you need to use this for inspiration and, and blah, blah, blah. Right now I get to put it into practice. So I would remember those things and I would ask myself the questions and I would take ownership of it. I'm not gonna blame anybody. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to be a victim. I'm going to ask why this happened and, and try to see what I can learn from it. But I'm also going to see what the silver linings are and what does this make possible. And I've come up with a lot of great answers to those questions. It's not easy in the moment. Usually as time goes on, we find those answers. You know, the classic example, I think, in the working world is we, someone gets laid off from a job and it seems horrible in the moment. But then six months later, they find their dream job, right? That next job that they always wanted. And they never would have gotten it if they didn't get laid off in the first place, right? So that new, that challenge makes this new opportunity possible. So I really get to live that and, and take an ownership mindset of this. And, and I think because I have been pretty healthy most of my life, I almost have been lucky. I've been having a charmed life, if you will. This gives me more empathy for people who go through major health challenges. And now I get to be able to speak to those people when I find out friends are dealing with cancer yeah. or other major, major health challenges, I get to be able to speak to them about my experience and give them my advice if they want it, right? And try to help them through that. And I think there's so much power in that. And you know, for you listening, no matter what challenge you're going through, and we all go through challenges, that challenge gives you that experience and therefore empathy to be able to help other people that are going through the same thing because someone else is going to face the same thing. No one's life is completely unique. We're all special. We're all special snowflakes, right? But all the challenges we face, someone else has been through it before and someone else is going to go through it in the future. I think the more we can learn from those and then use those things to inspire and help others, uh, it just makes our lives so much better. Andy, how do you balance sort of this? I feel this energy of like, kind of like you're almost like you're, you're, you're choosing to be in your power but also dancing with like the reality of the fact that it does suck, right? Like, I feel like that's such a, a thing I'm, I'm seeing in you. And I know this journey hasn't been easy. And like, what does that dance look like for you? Like, do you give yourself time to actually just bitch about this if you want to? Because like, I imagine like, there's got to be moments where you're just like, damn, this sucks. And you're also looking at it from that place of power. Because I think most people, like when they hear a lot of stuff around, like, look at your challenges and turn them into opportunities. like they don't see the background of it. Like that is the overarching idea, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't suck. Yeah. You don't ignore it. I mean, you got to recognize it, right? Recognize what you're going through. And, and I try to be honest with people too. Friends check in with me all the time. Like, how is it today? And like, you know, today kind of sucks. Actually, I, I feel like crap, but I'm getting through it. Right. That's always kind of my mantra. I'll give you an example. 
you know, I mentioned Hal Elrod and the Miracle Morning. I'm a big fan and, and practitioner of the Miracle Morning ever since I read that book in 2016. I love getting up early and tackling the day. I think you're a fan of this as well, Raj. And so like I will typically get up at 4.30 or 5 a.m., do my meditation and my reading and take a walk and my journal and then get to work or hit the gym and I'll accomplish more, you know, before most people are getting moving at nine, right? And I always took pride in that. Well, ever since this started, I've been really slow in the morning. I think it's a, a side effect of chemo. And so most mornings I'm not getting up before seven. The kids get up at the same time and then we're, you know, doing stuff and I'm getting them off into school and I don't really have time for the full morning routine like I did before. Plus I'm slow and I'm groggy. It's just a very different experience. First of all, you know, one mantra that got me through this uh, that I forgot to mention earlier is one I learned from my friend Lauren Davis, who told me early on uh, that she had this tattooed on her arm, I think, for some reason. Uh, the phrase is, this is how it is right now. And that always reminds me of the nature of impermanence. You know, I'm big into meditation and mindfulness and the fact that things are not always going to be this way forever, but this is the way they are right now. So when I was going through the most difficult moments, in time, I'd recognize that like, this sucks. You know what? This is awful. I hate this. I feel like crap. I can't get up before 7 or 8 a.m. I'm slow in the mornings. I can't live life the way I am used to living life with energy and gusto and ambition, enthusiasm. But this is how it is right now. And I'm going to make the most of this situation, whatever that means. You know, I'm slow morning, but I get to work or I'm on the couch for a while or I don't work a full day or, you know, whatever it is, I'm going to make the most of it. And it's not going to be like this forever. It is going to get better at some point. Things are going to change as long as I keep heading in the right direction. So I think it's important to recognize what's going on and be honest with yourself, but then also don't let it bring you down. Don't yeah. be a victim of it. Say, how can I take ownership of this? And how can I make the best of this situation given, you know, the situation? I'm I think in? I'm hearing, and what I just want to highlight, I think it's really important Allowing yourself to feel like this is sucking in the moment does not mean that you are prescribing. Because a lot of people, including myself, would honestly maybe push through the pain, maybe tough it out because I don't want to get into that space of allowing myself to slip. Because if I allow myself to slip, then shit, it's a slippery slope. And I'm it's always going to keep going. Right? Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. so. I think it's really empowering just to remind, just as a reminder, like when things get hard, it's okay to rest. It's okay knowing full well that you're playing the long game. You're in a marathon. You're not in a race. And I have a, I have a mentor and a coach who, uh, Honore Cordo, who reminds me quite often, you know, when you're not feeling well, take a nap. Your business will be there later, right? You don't have to tackle everything. Just go take a nap and rest, like listen to your body. And there was a moment, by the way, the absolute bottom was after I got out of the hospital and I was really feeling the side effects from the chemo. And I found out later I had pancreatitis and I was in so much pain and I could barely walk. And my wife was trying to get me to a doctor appointment and I just sat down and I just cried. I'm, you know, I, I'm all about, I'm for, for feeling emotions. I have a hard time with it. I'm not much of a crier, um, but I just sat down and cried. And I was like, I don't think I can do this. And if this is what it's going to be like, I don't think I can do this anymore. And, and she helped me and said, you know, we, we just got to get there. Let's talk to the doctor. Let's see what's going on. And, you know, in that moment, I thought, this is what it's like to be on chemo. It's going to be like this for weeks. Well, it turned out I had pancreatitis, which is a terribly painful situation to be in. And once I got past that, I got fluids. It's been much better since then. I mean, there's been some bad moments, but nothing is nothing as bad as that. And so it, again, reminds you, you think back like, okay, I got through that moment. And it hasn't been as bad since then. Like things will continue to change. Andy, you are such an inspiring dude. Um, and I'm, well, I'm grateful that we get to have this conversation now, right? And, and I would have loved to catch up with you when the book was coming up, but I just feel like there was divine timing. This is even better. Divine timing yeah. and so important yeah. and so inspiring and such a reminder for all of us of just how much power we do have. And um, can you just give a quick sort of, I, we've already talked about the book, sprinkled it throughout the show. Everybody own your career, own your life. It's available, I imagine, everywhere. But is there anything you want to share specifically about the book that's in relation to this conversation that you think would be helpful for listeners as they pick it up and go deeper into it and just learn more about how they can adopt this own mindset for themselves? 
Well, the mindset is the most important thing. And also the one thing I love to remind people of is that nobody cares more about your career or your life than you do. You know, if you're lucky, you you have a great manager who uh, coaches you and, and helps you. You have a mother probably who loves you and cares a lot about you and your career and probably gives you advice that you don't even want, right? But nobody cares more about your career than you do. And so you've got to take the ownership. You've got to take the initiative to figure out what are your dreams? What's your vision? Where do you want to go? What do you want to do with your life? And then set goals and make a plan and go out and achieve those. And then also, when it comes to living your life, you don't have to live on society's terms. You don't have to do what everybody else is doing. You don't have to do the things that your friends are doing all the time. You get to decide how you live your life. And that means you also get to decide how you react to things. You get to decide uh, your mindset uh, and how you perceive life. And you can be an owner, which means you're not a victim. Things don't happen to you. Everything in life happens for you. You can decide to turn challenges into opportunities, uh, just as I've tried to do and we've talked about today. That's all up to you. Nobody else decides your happiness or your fulfillment or your success. That is all up to you. And you can choose to be grateful and happy in almost every situation, even if it's something you want to change. And then if it is something you want to change, then you get to choose to take the initiative and go make that change. But nobody cares more about your career and life than you do. So you've got to take that initiative and adopt that mindset. You're the man, Andy. Love you, brother. I'm just, again, so grateful that we got to catch up and you look great. And I'm just happy to hear that, you know, I know this has been a tough experience for you. And it just, I feel just in my heart, especially after this conversation, how how grounded this experience has made you in just who you are, what you have, and all the gifts that you get to share with the world as a result of it. So just want to honor you and, you know, just, I'm, I'm just inspired brother. So thank you for being here. Got one last question for you in the midst of it all. Um, and everything you've been through, how do you stay grounded? Well, we talked about it and the answer is gratitude, right? Gratitude keeps me grounded as well as love and family. And I was going to say to you, I really appreciate your kind words Uh, Love is my number one value. And I just feel so much love that comes from you for me and for everybody that you interact with. I know you have so much love for the world and I do as well. And so that love and that gratitude and love for my family, that has kept me grounded through all of this and the realization that like all these other things that I want to do, like building a business and marketing my book and like none of that stuff really matters that much as long as I have my family and my health. And so I'm going to focus on those things and stay grateful for everything that I do have. That's kept me grounded and helped me get through all of this. Brother, can't wait to hug it out in person. I don't know when that's going to happen, but I imagine it'll happen at the perfect time. And um, again, brother, thank you so much for being here. Everybody, that is a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host, Raj. This is your friend, Andy. And from us, Stay Grounded. We'll chat soon. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast, read in our thoughtful posts, or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.